Hey, that thing you doers, that thing you dudes, that thing you do debts. Welcome back. Or that thing you don't. That, that thing, thing you, you don't. don't. Maybe you don't do it. I don't want to assume Maybe that. Maybe you don't do it. Yeah, and that's okay. I thought about that this week. But if you don't do it, that is a thing that you do. So it is still kind of inclusive in my mind. I guess so. Or maybe there's just things that no one, maybe some people do nothing. And that's okay too. I mean, that's still a thing you do though. You're, if you do nothing, you're to still do doing nothing? something. That's too philosophical for me this late at night. I don't know if I can pontificate on whether or not doing nothing is actually doing something. I think it's semantics because now we're talking about the value of if nothing is a thing. Yeah. What is the value of zero? Yeah. Is, is it a value? A is thing? zero a value? Well, <laughs> I think next next time we'll have to get <laughs> yeah, later. I think next show we'll have to get like a mathematician on or something or someone to pontificate on whether um what that means. I think we've said this before. We're like, we'll get somebody who can be a real expert on this and like this person. But then instead we get someone dope like Fred Armisen. I know. And then we go, we get sorry, Fred mathematician. Today. Not this week. I know. This one was really, really special for me, Darren. I don't know if you could tell. I... Oh, he makes me so nervous. I love him so much. Yeah, he's me too. So, he's just so great. He's just so cool and like so smart. And I could talk to him forever. I mean, you can hear. I we definitely a- could have gone for a lot longer. He is. Uh, so you guys had met before. I had never met him. I was really excited. We worked on a thing. I don't think I can talk about it, but it'll come out in a, however long, maybe a couple months. But we did a little thingy together. And um, I told him when I met him that when there are people that you really like in the entertainment industry, and we've talked about this a lot on this show because, you know, we could talk about how we met certain people and we usually are fans of these people and, you know, we kind of get into that whole sort of interesting dynamic. But I told Fred that there's this moment I was, okay. We didn't talk about this during the show. Cause we didn't talk about him doing SNL. We just talked about SNL, right. but this is a guy that for a living for like for more than a decade uh, or just shy of a decade, like meets a new pretty incredible, like, you know, person like every week, right. On their show. Totally. And so I was asking what that was like. And I was saying, this is how I feel meeting him where when you meet somebody that you adore, you have this like parasocial relationship with them, right. Where you, they have value to you, but it's, it's kind of a one way thing. Like, but they, that relationship isn't fake. It's a real relationship that you have with somebody that you admire. Right. And so when you meet them and create a new actual in-person relationship it takes a couple minutes if not hours or days but it takes a certain amount of interaction to somehow mesh those two things together because i have to somehow like put this parasocial version of my relationship with this person into the relationship that i'm making in in that time so when i this is all to say that when i talked to him was like i'm gonna need a good like couple hours to just tell you how much i like you I know. And then I'll simmer down and then we can have, and then I'll like, just, I just need to do that so I can marry that version that has been the majority of my life with you in it to this current moment, which you are actually in it. Where we are now. And so then, and once the, once the foam settles, then we can just kind of chill. So I had gotten that out of my system before this podcast. So I let you have your kind of like fizzle. You know, oh, is that what that was, Darren? Yeah. Great. Well, now I just sound like a psychotic fan. No, you don't. It sounds like you're earnest. He did it to. He, we've heard him do it to other people that he loves too. That's why you know. I think it's totally okay. all in the same. But I think the club. summation of these of these episodes also. I think people are starting to realize because we've said it before. Like we just are such big fans of people that are talented, and we're such fangirls. I think people after this episode will a hundred percent agree with us that like we just are obsessed with you were so impressive that we've <laughs> during this one you were so on impressive I, all the shit that i didn't know oh, that you could see i mean Thank people you. won't be able to see his face but he was just like in awe of you like i think this all the time with friends of mine are talented and i'll use you as an example where like i have tell you what i'll use i'll use i, I won't embarrass you because you know how much i love you but i'll say i remember like i was watching a glee thing this is years ago and i was like on the show okay and we had a <laughs> uh there was like a premiere for something and you spend so much time on an interpersonal level with these people and you, you know, make jokes with each other and you just do stuff that you just kind of forget the link of the, oh, they're great performers. And I was watching right? like a performance of somebody and I told them, I was like, man, you're so good <laughs> at this. Like, <laughs> holy shit, you're amazing at like singing and performing. Like, you're incredible. And just the fact that I had 
I kind of forgotten, I guess. You know, because yeah, I, no, you have. I feel like did you yeah. have like an almost like an out of body experience that was kind of just like I'm just watching you as a fan, exactly. And it's and it's it's those. So I don't know that like that scale kind of tips every now and then between your personal and then your professional or your I don't know the fan in you and the, just the person in you that can deal with somebody on a person to person basis. And this happens with you all the time. We're spending a lot of personal time via the show, via offline the show, especially during the pandemic. Yes. But, you know, when I go see you perform, I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's right. SD fucking Himes fucking kicks ass. Like, as a musician and a, and a rock star, you know, it's awesome. Likewise, likewise. But I think I think that's also the great thing about this podcast is we get to let our inner fangirl, which, is, which will never die. Totally. I think our inner fan person, inner fan girl, boy, what have you. We let that kind of feeling out in the open for everyone to see and i don't ever want that part of me to go away but i there is a part of me that's like oh man sd like you really like you can fucking hear you can hear my my insulin pump like beeping because my my stress my cortisol <laughs> is going up is that what like, that is rising you can like literally yes that beep is literally like i'm i'm like still like very much my heart is still a flutter from interviewing fred armison he's such an incredible he's such an incredible human, but also just an incredible drummer and guitar player, musician, actor, comedian. He has, and he has a great, great curiosity about him as well. I'm, you know, very curious about yeah. things. And I think it's very apparent in the sort of massive swath of versatility that he has throughout the characters he plays, the music that he loves and the, and the genres that he sort of crosses, I think is very linked to his like genuine curiosity of people and yes. the world. And that's, that's a, that's a quality I, I, I admire. I'm the same way. Why do you think I started a podcast? I with know you? We, I'm we're, so we're curious, curious about, people, man. So curious about that shit. Also, you know what I'm curious about? Are you wearing a cake shirt yeah. as in the band? Bro, San Francisco. Of course. Cake. Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, man. Dude. You're never there. Yeah, man. Short cake. skirt, long jacket. I always jacket. thought that cake was a lot bigger of a band everywhere. He's running the distance. Yeah, he's going for speed. He's all alone in the time of need. No, he's going the distance. Not he's running. He's the going distance. the distance. He's going the yeah. distance. I always thought that they were like a massive band everywhere, and they kind of are in metropolitan areas. I think, but uh, yes, they are really I think a they, are. they were like in the Bay Area. They were like a really big band. This this shirt is when I went to go see Cake. New Year's Eve, like circa 2000s, early 2000s. No way. Yeah, I love cake, man. That is some sick merch. This is like one of my favorite t-shirts in, in the whole world. I love that you're wearing a cake and, shirt. And it, and it services a lot of uh, good things because if you don't know the band, I'm just kind of repping cake as a, as a concept and that's like a win too, <laughs> you know? People who like cake. Who doesn't love yeah, cake? It's like, and also I like when that's people go, real, is I mean, that shirt a cake shirt? And I can always safely say, yeah. Yes, it is. And you, could, you don't really, I, don't I mean. I know if they're asking about the band or the food. It's usually people that can read. Yeah, I'm just like, yes, that's Yeah, a, it's usually just someone that can read. I'm trying to think. I mean, we don't really need to intro Fred anymore. Like, if you don't know who Fred Armisen is, uh, I, I'd be actually very curious as to why. Um, but if you don't, of course, SNL, um, he, you know, God, Portlandia, Documentary Now, has lent his voice to a lot of really great things. He's currently a voice. Also, with like with Maya Rudolph um, and a lot of other people who we love on the show, he's... Uh, Nick Kroll's dad in Big Mouth, a uh, very funny character. I mean, he's done so much. If you don't know who Fred Armisen is, I I hope this I, is a I great... I actually feel bad for you. Yeah, this, is, should, this should be a good starting point to uh, look into his career because uh, I think he's beloved. I, I told him he's like the Mount Rushmore of like hipster, cool culture. Like he's he has like dual citizenship between like so many cool places. People love Fred Armisen. What can I say? Um, and we got to talk to him. So, SD, I thought you were very impressive. I wouldn't be worried about oh, that. Oh, man. Thank you. I tried. Let's listen to our little chat with uh, with Mr. Armisen. Here we go! I think everybody on this podcast that we've had, but you in particular, we're all huge, huge fans. First and foremost, that's how we got into the shit that we're doing is because we are not just, ooh, I like music or ooh, I like movie, like avid, like proactive procurers of culture where we know the names we collect the records we like we know the extra details right 
And I felt like when we, we were talking the other day when we met Fred, your attention to detail and, and the people that you've involved yourself with, I was like, oh, cool. Like you reached a certain point in your career where you had enough visibility to where you finally get to like hang out with these people and like chase your heroes essentially. So for me, I would use that for Estee's case where I was aware of their band early on. We were actually label mates, but yeah, we're both on Columbia. I don't think I would have been in position would have been in a position where Estee would have been like, Hey, what's up, man? Had I not been on a TV show that she may have recognized. So I embraced that as much as I possibly could because I'm like, fuck yeah, the Heim girls know who I am. This is amazing. I want to be friends with these chicks, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, there's there's that, there's the version where we met at like this really awkward like label function that we all had to go to as label mates, everyone on Columbia, there's that. But I think we actually met at Coachella. Coachella when- is is like the the nexus for a lot of yeah where darren was wearing you know glitter and i think lederhosen and i i may as well have something like that (laughs) i mean i was also i think on drugs so i that's how i remember darren meeting darren so it could be either or that we i we can't figure out which was first or like if that was actually a meeting or if in fact it was darren chris but equally plausible and uh, like I, I would accept both versions because they involved, again, being a fan and an artist and it sort of like all the things kind of convalescing due to our liking of being around those people. Yeah. And I think we just I th- we just both I think well the reason we did this podcast is I think we just both wanted to make friends or strengthen the relationships with friends that we had already had by having them on a podcast to be like, now we have this thing that binds us together forever. Whether you like it or not, Fred. That's a good reason. I also think that like, when you don't remember exactly when you met a friend, that's a good sign. That's a little bit of like, a little bit like, you know, who, who knows how it all started, but it's that solid. Exactly. I'm totally with you. There's a lot of people. we're still here. Exactly. And the guy that introduced me and Fred Estes, is a good friend of mine, David. And there was a point where Fred was like, well, how'd you guys meet? And I honestly had to think about it. I was like, I don't know. He's just always been around. I could point it to three or four different things, but. Wait, who's David? Do I know David? Gosh, Zonshine, David Zonshine. Shout out to David Zonshine, who has one of the most wow. fascinating jobs the, the that Shina? I know. David the Shina? I know, Zonshine. It's like managing estates. Yeah, he, he manages like legacy estates, not just of like, you know, some old random person who made a lot of money in their Got lifetime. It. It's like who he's, he's like a fan of these these artists. He's the super like fan. He's the young blood that the old guard handed over the estate of George Harrison. Got Joe it. Joe Strummer. Yeah. Joe Strummer. Tom Petty. Basically everybody in the traveling uh, Wil- Wilburys. Yeah. So like God, Jeff I want Lynn that job. And, oh my God, it's amazing, and it's I in good hands because he's a super fan too. That oh, would that's that so would terrify cool. me. I'd be terrified. No, of like I doing would take the wrong that thing. on. I would one hundred percent take that on. Are you kidding me? That sounds that's a dream job. It would be a lot of saying no. I mean, you you'd have to be careful yeah. all along the way, I guess. Or I would yeah, have to be careful. Yeah, because you're protecting. Yeah, you're protecting the legacy of some of the best and greatest artists of all time. I yeah. love saying no. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> I love saying the word. Must be the nice. No, no is a full sentence. Yeah, you know what I like doing? I like saying, uh, "I think you. I think someone else would be better for this." Oh, that's a really <laughs> nice. That was far more diplomatic. And it comes from uh, like a real place where I'm just like, I think I'm not the guy for this. Right. I'll help you find somebody. I think I'm not. That's I'm the very guy. improv of you, uh, Fred. We talked about this with Maya. That's a yes the and yes, the yes ending thing. That's totally. Yeah. Yes, ending. Yes, yes, I see where you're coming from, but I can find yeah. someone better. Let's let's get somebody. Let's get someone who can yeah, that's sing yes like ending. you want, want this to sound like, you know. That's, that's a that's, really good That's some way definite to say yes no. ending. Yeah. I that's think some all Jedi of us mind have done, shit. All of us have done improv, right? I think so. I, I haven't done it to the degree of like you've actually taken classes, SD, yeah, at I've UCB. Taken class. And I just came up with a lot of comedy kids in college, but I never proactively was like in a on a team or on any i just I, my first days in la fred were uh hanging around birds going to all the ucb shows going to groundling shows 
and actually it was a lot made rest in sweet peace but io was a huge part of like my circle oh, yeah, of improv olympic and um, every monday we would go and it was that's you know when you're new to the city like that's how i met people that's how i like talk to girls it was like it was like a great way to just like meet other crazy performers um I'll use it as a segue to you, Fred, because a lot of the conversation that we had the other day was um, was around music. And the thing that we talk about on the show a lot is that sort of sliding doors moment. And uh, it's particularly for musicians that do other things, because a lot of musicians have like the seedlings of what they like about music that kind of end up growing roots elsewhere. And you're a prime example of that. A lot of people would know you for your performance stuff as, as a comedian. And uh, it really sounded like a lot of the the start of everything was just from a kid that loved to play the drums, if I'm not mistaken. That would be correct. So what was, how'd that all start? Where the where did the drums start? When I was a kid, I we lived in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. Wait, what? I thought you were from yeah. Long Island for some reason. Yeah, but we, my dad worked for IBM, so we had to move to Brazil for a couple of years. It's like second and third grade. Oh, wow. wow. That's crazy. And I went to like an American school there, and um, my mom... Just, you know, this is, and this is like the seventies, this is like post Beatles, but she still bought me Beatles records. And it's just, um, I just remember hearing I am the walrus and that, that, you know, that drum intro. And something in that just drew me to that instrument. Wow. So that's, that's where it started when I was like a little kid. Yeah. I just always loved the drums, always drawn, still drawn to them, how they look. I, I oh, lo- yeah, they're love they're so cool. They just look great. They're like a little, you know, cylindrical shrine in the usually in the middle of the stage. And <laughs> oh, yeah. there's such a there's such a um. I I mean, everybody who play, I think we all, all of us play drums here. But there's I would always rather be playing the drums than yes. any other instrument because it's the physically the funnest. It's the most primal. It's the most fun. Like it's banging pots and pans as a child. You just like look at me make noise. But yeah. Hopefully, with some degree of finesse. I mean, having a having a child say, "I want to play drums," you have to have a certain degree of like it's a, a leap of faith. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like, a okay, I'm gonna give, you give this kid. Yeah. So wait, so she just gave you a drum set, or how did that work? How did you start? Oh, playing? then then when we moved back to New York, I was like, I really want to play the drums, and yeah, my parents bought me drums. You know, a little a, a, whatever, a little teeny kit. I can't remember. Do you remember what, kind of, what it, you don't remember what it was? It like was a one. It was like set? from. No, like the Sears catalog used to have like kits. Oh, like a, right, like okay. Like a sparkle, like a, you know, I'm going to call them generic, you know. Okay, the generic no brand. Real, okay. real brand. No real brand to it. And that's all I had. Like it was just like this this kit. It was one symbol, oh, you know, one, nice. one set of hi-hats that would like were so bad that they would like invert. They were like cardboard? Yeah, if, if, you, yeah. if you pressed it hard enough, they would go concave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's... That that's the generic branding there. But that's I mean, at the time, I you know, now I went through a period where I was like, you know, my parents didn't support me, but they fully supported me. To to have drums in the house. I know it's that's like a, ludicrous. It's like a made up thing, you know, uh, of like pretending like, you know, oh my art. Like they were it was their house. Totally. Yeah. They let a non fully formed human being play with Bang loud things. Shit. No nuance. Yeah. I didn't know at what all. That was. Yeah, no yeah. finesse, no finesse, no Fred. finesse, no finesse, no finesse, no <laughs> nothing. Full volume. And this is before V drums. Way before V drums. Were you playing? Um, like, were you taking lessons, or were you just kind of listening to records and kind of following? Yeah, yeah. I, I did start to take lessons. I took lessons in in school, and then I took private lessons. Like, I had like a, a drum teacher. And oh, that's so cool! Oh, you know, it was the best. So if this is the if this is what 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 side of uh, are we are we still in the seventies? We in the eighties now? Like what what side of the decade? Our early eighties. Um, yeah, this is like go- going into the early eighties. So what are you learning? Because nowadays, I feel like music teachers, contemporary music teachers, I see young kids that like learn how to play ACDC first, like yeah. rock music and and pop rock culture is now as important as learning like fucking like fear release on the piano. And yeah. I feel like that's a pretty recent advent. So like, what are you learning in the early eighties? Like not, not from the records you're listening to like r- rudiments. Oh, like rudiments. That's all rudiments. And at the time it was like frustrating. Cause it's like, why do I need to learn this? But right now it's just like, it's the best. It's the best that yeah. like it, it just makes you the metronome. Totally. Were you like a, a Terry Bozio fan? I only learned about him much later. So 
I was too. I, I'll raise my hand. I don't know who that is. I, I'll, I'll admit. I he don't was. Know um, he was in, in in Missing Persons. I'll let you like explain. It. No, 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 you, no, you, no, yeah, you, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. As in no, no. nobody walks in L.A. Missing Persons. Yes. Yes. He was yeah, in. Okay. But before that, he was in. Um, when he was Frank eighteen, Zappa's nineteen, band. he was in Frank Zappa's band, and he was in Baby Snakes, which is like one of my favorite, favorite like music films ever. It has like the most amazing. Um, like uh claymation cool it's this incredible documentary and terry bozio is like to me is like frank zappa is obviously the star but to me terry bozio is like definitely like best supporting actor esty your cool is showing it's showing real no, hard right dude now. it's oh, not he's, no. he's really like he's really accomplished and he did a lot of early uh instructional videos well that's why i asked yeah <laughs> because... oh yeah those great videotapes of i uh, well because fred yeah. does them too fred does these really great drum instructional videos that i love watching on youtube personally Thanks, I, I like those as well i my guy, and I'm not a pro drummer, is I and I got hip to him much later via the people I'd meet in college who would show me the videos they grew up on. But like, cla- like Bernard Purdy's like yeah. classic drum videos, like I'd watch yeah. those in college and I'd be like, this is so sick. But that whole like ecosystem, like learning stuff, like at a certain time before you just had YouTube and, and you could just like learn shit, like you'd have to have a good teacher to teach you what to do. So yes. were you like just going off and like, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, fuck these rudiments. Like what, what kind of tunes you're playing? Cause this is the early eighties. No, like, no, I wasn't, like, I was, it was frustrating, but I wasn't upset about them. You know, it's just like reading sheet music. Like don't got Yeah, totally. Right. Right. Left. Right. Right. R L L L R R. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, now today we're gonna learn triplets. Whoa. You know. So I think to this day, when I see capital letters when people write in real life and they write R I R L in text, I have sort of like a Pavlovian response to like, right, right, left. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. It, it does bring that bring that visual up for sure. Because it's all caps. Yeah. So your music guy, and I know you've had to talk about this a lot, and we'll get into SNL in a little bit. But if this was kind of a, were you always like, okay, drummer's life for me, I'm going to be a rock musician, or was it just kind of a means to being a performer? You know, it was a, a little bit of both. So like, even though I was into the drums, I was into like the visual aspect of it. So. Keith Moon would like dress up in costumes and stuff. You'd see him like as characters. Totally. And there's something about him that I was like, what's that world where you could, you know, be someone be a else? character and then, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then I really got into Devo and I got into Devo's drumming, Alan Myers, yeah. and they were sort of playing characters. And so there was like a world that I started to see really early on that was not just a band being a band. It was like, What's this other? I don't even know what it's called, but whatever this other totally. form of entertainment is—the theatricality of music. Yeah, that's like heavily themed. Yes, where it's oh, not yeah. just like uh, an affectation. It's like Devo was really—it was like a—it's a, its own world. Clem Burke too from Blondie, watching him yeah. play the drums was like a—that was like its its own show. I when I saw him on SNL. Well, that, that's when I was gone. That's when I was like, I absolutely want to do this. Damn. Wow. I mean, I never really thought of, you're right. Drummers do, I mean, some of the most famous drummers in the world have this huge degree of theatricality because it is a theatrical sort of like just the, the, the grandeur. Uh, you're right. It's center stage. It's elevated. It, it's shiny, literally and figuratively shiny. It's holding everything down. It's very like arms are flailing. It is a theatrical. It's a spectacle. Seeing somebody play the drums is like hard to not be. You're right. I've never really thought of it that way. Like it isn't like when you like Tommy Lee and his fucking, you know, 360 gyroscopic thing with all like it is hard not to key into a much more theatrical part of performance beyond just like keeping the groove. Yeah. I, I can see as a young person being like really, really into that. Yeah. And to, and to go back to Ter- Terry Bozio, I just wanted to yeah acknowledge that I, I feel like people are rediscovering how great he was because he had a, he had these kits. Oh, yeah. These drum sets like you won't believe. Oh, yeah. Like they look like amusement parks. Yes. You, something 100%. you can walk into. 100%. Yeah. All those like all those um, like the Roto Toms. 
Like he had like yeah. 27 rototoms and all these like bells. Oh, this guy. I'm looking him up. This motherfucker. You have to look I remember up, this. Look up um, in, in baby. <laughs> do you, do you, oh have you seen, ba- have you've seen baby snakes? No. Right, Fred? I've never seen this movie. The animated thing. Yeah, the the Frank Zappa. Yes, yes, so yes. there's this amazing song where, I mean, talk about theatricality. Um, Terry Bozio plays this character called Punky. Do you know do you know about this? Where he's like mugging for the camera and like like kissing the camera and like kind of becoming this like I guess it to me, like kind of this almost like um not Keith Richards, Mick, like a Mick Jagger. And he's basically talking about how in love he is with this guy named Punky, who I think is pretty much Mick Jagger and like his lips, but like playing drums at the same time. And I remember seeing that as a kid and being, and also like you being like, oh, that looks like fun. Like that, yeah. I want to do that. Like I want to be able to, because I was a theater kid too. So I wanted, I, there was there was an element of, you know, loving the theatricality of just being on stage in general, but to be able to be a, like a rock musician and kind of implement those elements was always super duper interesting to me as well. So, I mean, if you haven't seen Baby Snakes in a while, I would I would revisit it because it is, you know, it's like the same reason that I that love Prince. This. Yeah. You know, like. It seemed like, I remember seeing that and feeling like it was freaky. Yeah. In a good way. Yes. Like there's almost like a flaming lips quality to it that was like, ah, oh, this is just freaky. Like this is people really going crazy. Oh yeah. There were like no rules. I think that, I mean, Frank Zappa was such a, like a visionary and such a rule breaker. And like, I don't, a lot of people didn't get it, but I think the ones that did get it, like when I, when I meet people that get Zappa or that love Zappa and understand, he was, you know, he was just a, he was just a, I don't know, like a, Again, like he just he didn't adhere to any like rules lyrically or musically, and he was really trying to push boundaries all the time. And that the the claymation in that movie was so groundbreaking. At that point, it was one of like I mean, it's such an incredible movie. I can't can't say enough things about. And he's like he has like no category. He's just so his music is so complex, totally, but still still kind of humorous like there's humor yes in it. yes so it's like not like prog rock it's like this other thing kind of circusy or something yeah well that i think that's what his shows were right i think his shows were like you know there were so many m- different members it was like it was like a traveling circus you know there were all these yeah. different things to look at and and yeah you're right like the lyrics like you listen to a song like muffin man girl you thought he was a man but he really was a muffin <laughs> like he's so fucking weird (laughs) it's so but the song is so good and the way that he like he was like a conductor of an orchestra he just commanded like he just commanded he's such an amazing presence i don't know i when i think of like my favorite like drummers i think i think of terry bozio and i automatically think of baby snakes but then i also think of like i don't know are you like were you ever a big like uh i'm like a big band fan so like um I love Rick Danko as a bass player, but the drummer is also a drummer that I, but also it's because he sings and plays drums. So I'm a big fan of drummers that sing. Singing drummers. Yeah. yeah I love that too. Yeah. There's not a lot of people who are no famous for that, you know, that can, I, that have such good isolation that they can always sing. It's not like easy. Leads. I will tell you that. Right. I mean, Danielle, so my sister does it really, really well. She does it great. Yeah. She can. She's, it's really, really good. Yeah. She's a really, I don't know how she does it. Cause I try doing it and I'm, it's very, very difficult for me. I can play bass and sing, but drums and singing is, is a completely different beast. Yeah. Cause of the breathing. The yes. breathing is insane. Yeah. You're exerting your body in a different way exactly I remember when i found out that phil collins I was, I was like a teenager when i found out that phil collins was playing drums on those tracks where i was like what <laughs> that's that the other that's the other thing about i mean speaking of like theatrical bands like genesis was also a really big one for me like seeing old videos of genesis i don't know i don't know if, if, if for some people phil collins is like a 
is like a no-fly zone. What do you mean? Shut the... F- that is an instant, like, I'm not interested oh, in there, what you have oh, to some, say oh, if you don't is, like Phil Collins. You know what it is? I think it's when you go to the UK. I think it's a, it's like a, it's a different thing. It's like a different thing when you start talking about Phil Collins in the UK. Oh, really? Peter Gabriel, you can talk about all day. I mean, because, you know, Peter They're Gabriel... They're the fucking Lennon McCartney of, of the 80s to right. me. Right. I mean, Genesis, that's the thing. It's like, Genesis was such a different band... From what I listen, I wasn't I I wasn't born until the eighties, but 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 when I see videos of Genesis in the seventies and even like the late sixties, there's this great grand theatricality to them and like almost this like avant garde theater type stage show. And then I think as time went on, Phil Collins kind of went one way, and you know Peter Gabriel went another way. He spent seven years making so, and it's this you know incredibly artistic, you know incredible record critically acclaimed and then i think there's some people that would say that yeah maybe it is like lennon mccartney we're like maybe probably peter is more the lennon and some was more the brooding like cerebral yeah. the other person wrote the songs that like broke people's hearts and got married to and then right you know, they're, and they're one's phil, cooler than the other right they're both cool i bet i listen i i love phil collins i'll go on record i love phil collins and i also love peter gabriel i think so is like one of my favorite records ever but so is fucking it. yeah i think Fantastic. i think um seeing phil collins play drums and sing is like is like a master class and and you know seeing some seeing someone do he's like the golden standard i think it's like him and don henley i think i mean don henley's nickname i think just in the in the industry is he's the human metronome but he's able to play drums and sing at the same time the way that he does one of my favorite singers in the world is a drummer who it's this guy who this guy who passed away maybe three or four years ago but grant hart from husker do oh yeah beautiful voice Beautiful, beautiful voice. I didn't realize that's. I didn't realize he was singing and playing the drums. Me neither. Yeah, and wow. playing like really fast and really frantic, but an angelic voice. Really, really pretty voice. Yeah. Was that was um Esty? Yes. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, no. You no, 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 no. no yeah. No, you go. No, you go. No, you no, said, no, was no. That? No, I was gonna say like I was gonna ask because yes, you play drums, but I know you also play guitar, and I was gonna say if there was ever like a pulling of the heartstrings between the two instruments or if you love them equally or if you consider yourself more of a drummer than a guitarist or vice versa oh drummer all the way drummer in in everything that i do so even with comedy i sometimes or always think of myself as a drummer first really you know like a drummer for like for like yeah the beats. just because it's it's more like a comfort zone it's like a comfortable if i think and it sounds a little pretentious but it works for me if i'm about to go on stage to think, well, I'm a drummer. There's other people. There are going to be other people on stage, right? You know, it, it's a, it's just like a comfortable zone to think I'm a drummer. So it's all, it's all. My be million okay. dollar question that I wanted to ask, uh, Fred. My million dollar question. You kind of beat me to it, and maybe now I know the answer. But I was going to ask you something that I, I remember when we met. I was like, you know, I'm going to save the question when I, when we got, we're on the podcast. Ooh, what's the question? Here's my question. Do you think your skill in comedy comes from your skill as a drummer or your skill as a drummer comes from your skills in comedy? I think they're too mixed up with each other to to separate which comes first or like which influences the other. Because I think even when I was playing drums in bands, I still would sometimes think in terms of all the comedy that I loved. So it's just a mix in there somewhere. I wish I had a better answer. Like, no, but I it's, can it's see a that. fair. It's a fair one, because I mean, and there's, and I know there's no like broad sort of blanket answer for that, because I think of a lot of my favorite performers that surprise, surprise, are great musicians. It usually has to do with like the sort of natural law of timing and the God-given gift for just cadence and delivery. Like Dana, you know, Dana Carvey, famously great drummer, great musician. Great, Bo great Burnham musician. is a great musician. Jamie Foxx, fantastic musician. Mel Torme, Sammy Davis, Mike, Mike Myers, Myers, all great musicians and they understand the sort of just interplay between what makes a thing more effective or hooky or likable and it's interesting because not necessarily because i know you know we all know really really good drummers people who like 
human metronomes that just have a great feel or just or they have the, the math in their brains. But I wouldn't necessarily call them like the funniest people I know. And that would be an unfair expectation of them. Likewise, I know really, really funny people who have amazing timing, who just know how to deliver a joke, know how when to just say the line. Again, the natural laws of, you know, I just unexplainable why it's funnier one second later than it is one second earlier. Like that wouldn't know how to begin like laying down a groove. So I don't know how often they really truly are linked or not. So that that is a fair answer, but I wasn't sure if you had a stance on it. They're linked. I think they're linked, but now it's convenient for me to say the drums come first. I'm always a drummer. But I remember when I was in a band, I always wanted to goof around. I remember I would have a microphone behind the drums and I I just remember... I might have been more focused on trying to goof around than keeping a steady beat. I'm with you. What I was going to say, Esty, is that, first of all, you know, you're such a great bass player. But now that I'm oh, talking to you, you, we've known each other a while, by the way. We have known each other. Should we tell Should we tell Darren and the audience how we met the first time? Because it is yeah. pretty funny. Indulge me. Was it's it at Coachella funny. as well? Was he in Lederhosen too? And then no, I was just another... No, he wasn't. No, he was No, you know, we... So I have... I've been a very big fan of Fred Armisen for a very long time. I was a huge fan of SN- of him on SNL, but also a huge fan of him in Portlandia. And just, you know, my sisters and I find ourselves quoting Fred all the time, still to this day, just like bits from Portlandia, just like you, oh, Fred. I mean, so you've, nice. you've, you've met my, you know me and my sisters, like we don't really take yeah. anything seriously, especially <laughs> ourselves. So we like to have a good time. And we were in Portland. And, and, I, was a fa- we- and I was a fan of your band. Right, and, well, and, but I was like I didn't deeply know that. a fan. Yes, but I did not know that at the time. And we were in Portland, and my sisters and I again were just, you know, quoting Fred and doing bits, walking up Mississippi Avenue, walking up and down Mississippi Avenue, and um, we got a call while we were in Portland that was like, uh, "Hey, so." I think you guys, you guys are up for SNL is what we, we, we heard. We're like, you guys are up for it. It's between like you and two other people while we were in Portland. We were like, holy shit. That's so cool. Super excited. We heard that Fred was in town shooting Portlandia and that he was trying to come to the show, but didn't know if he might be shooting late. We were like super jazzed, super excited. We play the show. It's an amazing show. We're like, so there was like a what that really famous donut shop had given us donuts. We were we felt like voodoo donuts. Voodoo donuts had like given us a box of voodoo donuts, and we all automatically felt like rock stars. We were like, oh shit, we're getting donuts for free! Like this is so cool, man. And then um, we're backstage. We're like Mississippi Studios. Had, their backstage is like on top of the the venue. It's like a house almost. And we're sitting there eating our voodoo donuts and we see a hand and then a head pop around the corner and it's Fred. And we're like, hi, like, come on. Like, nice to meet you. Come on. And he's like, yeah. Fred was like, yeah, man. Like, you know, I missed, I missed the show, but you know, I wanted to come by and say hi. And also congratulations on playing SNL. And simultaneously, <laughs> simultaneously me and Deanna Lana, in our heads all had the same thought, which was how classy is SNL that they fly past cast members out to tell, (laughs) to tell the artists that are playing like that is so classy of them. We're like, that was, that was the coolest thing ever. We were like, what? We were like, holy shit. Oh my God. And that's how, that's how it was from my perspective, Fred. Was that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Um, I was working late and I remember, Lance, who I uh, who directed the you know what we worked on, Darren. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We did. I know it. We did Lance. It. And Lance, I know Lance. Brought, yeah. So he brought me to them, and I had been texting or emailing with Lindsay, you know, from the talent department, and I think we I was trying to like arrange it so like oh I should tell them, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I but I wasn't sure if that if if you knew already or what. But whatever it was, I was like I'm gonna at least if I say congratulations, at least that'll be. A version of it. So uh, Lance brought, brought me uh, backstage and there you were. 
And it was, it felt like a perfect moment. It felt like a perfect moment of like, isn't this great? Isn't this uh, great news? You know, it's like, also it's things that I'm a fan of. Like, even though I wasn't on SNL, I'm, I'm still a fan of SNL. I love it. Right. That's Same. Awesome. You know, I'm just into it. So I just, I'm always interested in who they're booking for music and stuff. So it, it felt, it was a little bit like I felt very much like still part of that family, you know, and then, and then you guys. That's so nice. That's so rad. Holy shit. I'm glad you, I'm glad you guys didn't know for sure. No, we didn't know for sure. We, we'd heard that like we were in the running and that things looked good. Right. That's great. So when that happened, it was like I had a donut in my hand. I was already stoked to be eating this voodoo donut. And then to see Fred's face and, you know, just the it was really surreal, if anything, because, again, like we had been, you know, again, quoting it the entire day and talking about like, oh, my God, what if Fred Armisen comes to our show tonight? How cool would that be? And then also SNL. You know, people gotta people gotta work. I get that. Yeah, had to had to work. But but you know uh, what? But it, I mean, but Lan- but Lance, what? I'm saying Lance is a sort of real uh, unifier. Yes, I love Lance. Yeah, I mean that was how we we met. Anyway, I just want to say I'm happy that I've known you this long, and I also feel like I don't need to put this in. This isn't. I'm like stating the obvious, but I kind of love how we stayed in each other's lives. I feel like I bump into you guys all the time. And it's my favorite kind of relationship, which is like very, <laughs> like, very relaxed. It's a very relaxed, I, I just bump into you and there's no like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. You know, it's just, it's very. No, the universe is pushing you guys together as, as a season a ticket lifetime subscriber to the cool world that I think <laughs> both of you have like full citizenship in. I put you guys in that category. Like before I knew either of you being like, God, these are like my fucking favorite, like cool people. They're musicians. They like are funny. (laughs) They're just in this world that like, I'm, I just want to like put my head in there and be like, Hey guys, you guys are cool. Like, okay, I'll leave you alone. And I like that in my imagination of this sort of bubble of said cool echelon that, that there's a magnetism with magne- magnetism within that sphere that pushes you together. I like that idea that you run into each other. That makes me as a fan of you both very happy. Yeah. You should all may you always run into each other unexpectedly. Let me tell you it makes me it makes me really happy too. I know I know that um you know those encounters have been fewer and far between because of COVID and stuff. But I will say I am looking, that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to things going back to normal is like, there's a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time that I miss, you know, seeing out and about. Or part of like the out and about crew. Like you don't necessarily call them out, but it's like, if you see them, they're like, oh, fuck yes. Oh my God, great. So-and-so's here. Hell yeah. 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 So you grew up in Rio de Janeiro. I don't know if I've told you this, but my... When I went to UCLA, I was an ethnomusicology major, and my emphasis was in Brazilian percussion. And I was I was a wow, fundo player. Heavy. I played fundo and macassan, and <laughs> yeah. Oh my and I, god! And I played beatenbau too. But that, I was I played cuica? cuica. How do you pronounce? That's cuica, a cuica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But a fundo, wow, fundo is like the is like the almost is like the the base of it all. It's just kind of always going on either the the one and the three or the two and the four. That shit is superior music to me, Esty. I was saying this to Fred the other day of just like my Western brain. While I think pretty proficient at Western structures, there are parts of South America where it's like the most basic concept to them. And just where everything is placed, I my brain like inverts into itself trying to understand it. And I'm like, this is just oh, yeah, samba. totally wired, different, uh, t- wired totally differently. Is what I'm yeah, to say. Samba, samba is is such a beautiful rhythm and I was so I was doing like Bahia style Brazilian carnival music was what I was studying and that was like my emphasis that's so cool it was a lot of fun it was it didn't feel like going to college it felt like going to camp a lot of the time because I was just playing drums the whole time it's so hypnotic it really is and and I, well, I, was, I guess I was gonna ask like did you ever get into like any Brazilian or like South American music, or like Os Mutantes, or like, because uh, I was a huge Os Mutantes fan. I thought that that's what I was going to be learning about, and that is <laughs> that was not what I I feel like Essie's just studying. making up words, but I know you're not. No, no. <laughs> All the traditional Brazilian samba schools, I mean, or, you know, whatever, 
organizations. Carnival schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, 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 oh you my know, God. Ola Doom. Yeah. And um, all that stuff. Iliae, all those ones. Yeah. Is like hip, so hypnotic that if I hear it, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Same. Like, like, yeah. Oh hell yeah! I mean, oh, we're all on. Yeah. That's where we're on different. We're on different. Beautiful. The zoom. Yeah, the, the zoom is not conducive. <laughs> zoom is not to conducive samba. to playing samba together. We should do. We should do um, a sketch one day where we're at, we're all on stage and we're like we're the Zoom band and like we play a song. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's just off. off. That is just so funny. But live Man. in front of everybody, like we practiced on Zoom. <laughs> we really rehearsed for you guys. We want to make it as authentic to the rehearsal process as what yeah. we captured then. Um, and even though we're live right now, we want to make sure that we can keep it on oh Zoom in God. front of you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> That's actually so funny. That is so Also so funny, funny to musicians. This is so insider. Like be, like music being slightly off, like musician clams, like really, really fucking that good, kills me. bad clams. It yeah. kills me. It is so funny it's like the equivalent of seeing a guy like sip on a banana peel when someone's just like <laughs> playing music and it's just like <laughs> somebody that just biffs it off. so hard it's so fucking hilarious yeah and Damn. a little off is just horrendous. i would do that i would do that <laughs> sketch with you i would participate oh, that tickles me that's a good one Anytime. and probably probably hard to perform because like we'd have to be, be a little so off. hard fred yeah. be you so can't difficult go too much just like a little you know just like a 16th note off. No, like everyone. what we were just doing. That was, yeah. pa- and that felt painful for me hearing. Yeah. If I had to recreate that consciously, I would never be able to do it. No. You have to have, be so talented. Like that's a different kind of yeah. brain. You have oh, to wow. sort of, yeah, unplug for a second from everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Like how did Steve <laughs> Martin really do funny. it in The Jerk? W- which part? Like in- where he's where he's like not oh, doing yeah. the snaps? That's, his, that's like his genius you know i i always cite Wahlberg in boogie nights where he has some of the most fabulous bad singing you got you the got touch! the touch where it's yeah, just it's slightly so off but it's so earnest and it's like a guy who really believes that he sounds amazing it like because he could have gone kind of towards the like oh this guy sounds like a shitty singer but he rides that line really yeah. really well and it's tough you have to kind of under i don't know that's a that's a hard line to that really to is walk because you don't want to go too far like where you sound no. like people who are trying to sound bad when they sing yeah no i i think that was that that was an award-winning award-worthy performance for Agreed. shitty quote shitty music that's Agreed. that's really hard something that i've noticed is sort of like a through line through well i was going to rewind earlier to kind of I forget who I took this from, but there's this wheel of like a rock star, musician, and actor where like musicians want to be comedians, comedians want to be actors, and actors want to be rock stars. And the circle just kind of goes around. That makes sense. We're all kind of chasing each other in this kind of circle of performative, you know, wackiness. Yeah. And uh, I was saying how earlier that how it is one of the coolest things about hopefully getting any traction in in your career other than obviously getting to do what you love for a living is having it be some kind of leverage to meeting people who you really love and admire. And that's like, that's like one of the greatest payoffs of all Uh, case in point right now with you, man, like getting to hang with Um, you. I told you this when I met, it was like so exciting for me (laughs) and it continues to be, but it's cool that that's what happened for you with Esty. Like, that's so cool that you were like, Oh my God, they're in town. I really want to go see them. Like, yes, that's such a great, thing that that can and, and that never like gets old because there's always going to be some new artists like there are there are like the new crops there's like younger kids that are like much younger than me that i'm like all about that i i would be so thrilled to me anyway i don't know if there was really a point to that other than that's kind of i'm just glad to see that that's exactly how you guys kind of came yeah into yeah that, that continues and it's the best getting to meet your heroes and stuff it's like you know when what as it's happening you picture yourself or I picture myself when I was 15 and yeah, then like, same. I, I want to like jump back and go like, Oh my God, you will not believe who you're, you're hanging out. Oh with. my God. I, I had that. The, I mean, speaking of SNL and so I, I was uh, DJing the other night. I DJed the white Lotus. Have you been watching white Lotus Fred? Oh yeah. I, I haven't started, but I heard it's so great. And I, it's I great. Will. 
It's real. Yeah. Well, because Molly Shannon's in it, right? Yeah. So when I was in in seventh grade, Superstar came out. It was like my favorite movie, and I loved how irreverent she was and how physical she was. I really loved physical comedy, and how she was like jumping into, you know, folding chairs and and not caring about whether or not she got hurt. That was like very much my. I would do pratfalls all the time, and like that was so my my thing. And yes, in eighth Molly grade, Molly nailed eighth, the pratfalls. She really Molly, fucking she's, smashed. She's she's a genius. She is a fucking genius. And totally folding chairs, like just yeah, like, man, yeah. And that so Mary funny. Catherine Gallagher is such an incredible character. And I eighth grade graduation, I got my diploma, and I did a superstar in front of my all my friends and family, and like my entire school. And you know, my parents have it on video, and it was such a big. She was. Like the reason that I wanted her and Gilda Radner were like the reason that I wanted to be on SNL. That was like my dream. And then at this um, party that I DJed, I ended up meeting her and I had, and I'd met her before. I actually met her at SNL 40. When we can tell, we, can, we don't have to talk about SNL 40. Yes, we do, please. We don't, we don't <laughs> talk about it. was such a wild, psychotic night. Anyway, but I met her at SNL 40, but I didn't think she remembered me at all. And I, um, yeah, I was at I was at the White Lotus premiere and she was so kind to me and that's such a moment where you're like yes meet your heroes. I know there's definite yeah. moments where you're like don't meet your heroes, but she was so sweet to me and so kind and you know, was just talking to me like I was like her peer, which was also so wild to me cuz I think of I think about me as a 13-year-old and being on that on stage and doing a superstar and being like she's the coolest person ever and then there she was just talking to me like I was a normal human being and not the peon <laughs> that I felt like. Do you know what I mean? Alright, I'm going to take this so I can spin it, a question to Fred just to bring back to the comedy music switch thing. The through line that I hear between, you know, Zappa, the uh, like Devo, a lot of these uh, drummers and, and musicians, I think they all have this element of like it's not just one thing. It's not just music. It's a show. It's a character. It's a joke. It's a full service experience. Yes. Right. There's that there's something more than just the, I guess, the initial uh, assumption, which is just to hold the beat. Right. There's a whole story here. There's yes. a whole thing going on. And all the people that do that, I think it sounds like both you and Essie and, uh, and Fred, you both really kind of gravitated towards that. Yes. Both being people that gravitated towards comedy and and music and, and sort of using them together. And I guess my question, Fred, is, you know, when you're playing music and you're playing in bands in high school and whatever and kind of, you know, just mucking around like a teenager like you do, you know, you got to kind of take whatever opportunity you can. I don't know when the moment was. What is the, we always ask this on the show, like the sliding doors moment where you did want to be a goofball, right? And you did want to be performing. When when was the flip of like, okay, I'm actually going to do something proactive about it. Like I'm going to go to an improv thing or, because I remember when you used to do those, those bits on like Conan before you were on SNL. And by that point from our brief conversation the other day, I was like trying to do the math. I was like, okay, at this point, if he was like playing in bands, to just suddenly be on Conan doing bits isn't exactly a fucking like that just doesn't happen out of nowhere. So was there it, a it sort did. of path? It okay, great. Very quickly. Very quickly. So how does that happen? How do you say, all right, guys, I want to be doing like comedy? Like who, how, why explain? It was so crazy. This is late nine late nineties. Okay. I was playing in bands. And I just made this video of me interviewing bands as different characters. And this video, I, I did it a little bit at South by Southwest and stuff. And a friend of mine edited it and I would show it at clubs in Chicago, at Lounge Acts in Chicago. And I just, I got more attention uh, for that than I did for my band. So people came to watch a screening of this video and already it had momentum to it. It had like it felt more like, oh, maybe this is what I should be doing. When you say showing videos, this is just a very different time. Like people have to understand Projector, like screen. No, but still, but even like, you know, if you're at a comedy club or an improv club, like there's one thing showing up and doing a set and getting booked to do a thing. Who are you showing this to, to be like, Hey, I want you to see this. Like who, who's going, oh. okay, let me get the projector. Let me give you this space to watch how funny. I was this, in like, Chicago and the Chicago music scene is 
close enough that you just, I just said to Sue Miller, can I show my video? And she said, how about Thursday? Great. They put an oh, ad, amazing. you know, the ad and the listings for the papers, like all these different bands playing, you know, whatever, little straight jackets or whatever. And then a Thursday night, Fred, you know, showing his video and then people come out. Oh, that's so cool. It's a projector screen. And then, you know, that's Chicago, baby. That's, that's Chicago. Like, and then that's man, I love that. shit. And then I would, I would did it in LA and New York. I just kept doing it as my gig. I was like, I'll just keep doing this, bringing this video. And it felt from there. I just kept getting more jobs in comedy. Will you host this thing? Will you, you know, interview this band, but do it as a character? Like eh, this is late nineties. So before I knew it, I was doing it all the time. This is like logistical nitty gritty, but did you have like representation, you know, where you just kind of playing shit? Like how did, how did somebody organize this shit for you? Like, it sounds like you were being pretty proactive about proactive, it. Like it was yeah. a yeah. one man operation. Yeah. Which is yeah, pretty amazing. That was, that was all phone calls and, but, it, and it wasn't difficult. It wasn't like, please. It was like, I kind of knew the club owners from when I played there with, with a band. Bands. Right. Yeah. Like b- bottom of the hill in San Francisco. Yes. One of my favorites, man. Great place. Love that spot. Yeah. It was an easy sell, you know, Hey, I'm coming back. We, you, you know, do you have a night for me? And then it was, it was easy. And then from there, I just kept getting more and more jobs on different, just doing comedy. So the road to comedy really like showed itself. It very was like, this is what you should be doing. And that's what I did. And so how does Conan happen? Uh, I performed a lot at Largo uh, and here in LA, I'd moved to LA and I did this festival, comedy festival in Chicago, going back there. And Zach Galifianakis, I think, knew the booking person and had said something like, uh, you know, you should book this guy. And then sent them a tape and yeah. So what was this period of time? Like, how short was this? It sounds like it was very swift. Like you say, okay, I'm stop playing in bands. I'm going to, this video people think is funny. People like it. I'm going to go to Los Angeles because that's where comedians go to do the next thing i'm just assuming i don't know if that's true if that was your train of thought i just loved i just loved la i just wanted to be in la and i heard about largo and then bob odenkirk was putting together a sketch show for fox about mr show it was something called next okay, okay. was this before or after mr show this was after. after yeah after. yeah yeah. I, I can't remember what the, i forget when that was so that period of time was uh, uh, i would say that's like 99 2000 2001 that whole thing was just really getting into comedy. Bob put me on his show. From that, I had tape to send to SNL. Then I had management, and then they sent it. Marcy Klein at SNL saw it, showed it to Lauren. It was very, very quick that all that stuff was happening, and it, mostly because my stand-up was me doing characters. So it was already in the realm of what SNL, SNL does. Totally. And was this something that you always kind of, you know, for someone like Estee, like, you, you know, this is something, you've, was this something you always wanted to do? Or was it kind of like, oh shit, I never thought about this. Like, fuck yeah, I would do SNL. Like, what? Both. You know, obvi- it was both. So you you did always really want to do this. Wow. It's, okay. like, it's like my dream, my dream was just to do stuff and make art. So however it was, I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be in comedy, but also do music. So it was all those things. I always loved SNL. I always even thought that like SNL had a special language directed at me. Sometimes they would do sketches. I'm like, that is meant for me. It was the weirdest Any thing. Any example? Sprockets, Sprockets. Sprockets. This is the part of Sprockets where we dance. Yeah. There was something about Sprockets that I was like, that's Your not- Devo. <laughs> this is like my secret sketch that was, they wrote it for me. Wow. Oh, that's, that's so really cool. Special. Yeah. That's so cool. I love so hearing I, that. I mean, there's not a lot of shows that like, it's like having a favorite band that you have the opportunity to join. And then after you leave, yeah. they're still going. Like there's no, I can't think of another show that has that kind of a legacy. Like if no, anybody no. from SNL that I know from Nothing any like cast, like they all have these kind of, it's amazing that you can kind of pass through it because at this point, there's very few people in the game that didn't, grow up with SNL. Yeah. So it's, that's I, I, what an extraordinary thing. But you're going back to the Largo, right? Yeah. Back to the, your roots in Los Angeles. What are you doing there? Uh, I do a thing where I've just been playing um, just in, d- instruments and talking about instruments. So chords, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, that's it's comedy, but I, I, so I, cool. I talk about like different styles and different, you know, how people drum, have drummed, you know, I don't know, through these 70s and 80s. I've been right. to my own. Yeah. 
that kind of you thing. told me you're doing a guitar centric thing though right yes i'm doing a, a guitar thing where i do strumming styles on acoustic guitar from around the world because because people from different countries play in a subtly different way yeah it's true the way they hear rock the way they hear folk it's like slightly different australia canada they approach it differently i love this ethnomusicological show you're gonna have i yeah, there's a little bit of crossover between you guys. I, I I think we have to go see the show. I can't believe you know Brazilian music like you do. I, I, we could talk for hours about that. That's insane that you know that, like, that's such hypnotic, incredible music. I can't believe you know it. I remember hearing it. So when I when I got into UCLA, I, I didn't know what my emphasis was going to be. But when, when we were growing up, my dad would play me Brazilian music and he would play me Bulgarian music. So those were Whoa, like the two really specific because my dad's family is Bulgarian, but my dad loves my dad loves like South American percussion. Right. So he loves like timbales and he loves congas and he loves salsa music. So my dad was always listening to the local Spanish speaking like radio station. It was called K-Love. K-Love. And so we would listen to that growing up. And then we would listen to Brazilian music. So my dad loved like um, this woman named Daniela Mercury. Loved her. And um, Os Mutantes. And so again, like I didn't know what my emphasis was going to be when I got to UCLA. But I remember hearing specifically, I remember hearing Brazilian carnival music. It's the best. And never really hearing. I, I mean, Os Mutantes is basically just, is, is Brazilian tinged classic rock, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's acid rock. Yes. But you know, again, that's what I thought Brazilian music was, really. And then I start hearing carnival music and I was like, oh, this is like 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 reg it's like reggae. There's like samba hege, which is like samba and reggae together. And there's like this almost like this lilt to it. It's like And I just remember thinking and like the way that the the way that the kaisha plays, the way the snare plays, and the silicones, the way that that sounds within that beat is so intricate and cool. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. So I ended up getting really, really deep within the Brazilian drumming community. And then after I graduated, contemplated going to Bahia and studying under this woman named Dona Cissé, who... Um, is is like an expert in the Orishas, and I was I really uh, anyway I really wanted to like I really wanted to you know learn about STU never cease to surprise me. I'm sitting the, our listeners can't see my jaw open. I'm just like this this fucking bitch, I, amazing, <laughs> Darren, Darren unreal. Just, yeah. He really was. <laughs> I just shook did, my head, jaw, going like his jaw really dropped. I was like, you are so cool. Like we do this every week, and I still <laughs> so I find out shit about SU. I'm just like, what the fuck. That's incredible. That is so cool. I mean, I that's it's cool, and that's why I was obsessed with it, and I'm still obsessed with it. And the, the the crazy part about all of this is that I still haven't been to Brazil, and I've wanted to go so badly, but I haven't I haven't gotten the chance to. But after I graduated, it was like, do you focus on Hiram or do you get your master's and your PhD in Brazil? And like study this music. Hey, now's a pretty good time, Esty. You know, a lot of things yeah, are shut down right now's now. Now's the it's time. A, it's a pretty good time to go down to Brazil for an extended period. I mean, I would. I'm I'm full support of this. You played some good bossa nova there. You're no you're no slouch when it comes yeah, yeah, to a little bit. Brazilian music. Get a little bit. Darren's an incredible guitar player. He's very very good. I really appreciate the. I mean, again, like the rhythms. I I I can do them sometimes, but you know, probably like the 101 level. Of like the almost the, it'd be the kind of thing that if you were like a samba player you'd be like all right all right American kid like that's no. cute <laughs> yeah no, no no you know you no you got it it'd be like that's uh, great saúde <laughs> <laughs> muito bem muito obrigado muito bem yeah. obrigado I, hope so. I think people like it when, when 
I don't know. I think people like just sharing music and, you know. Yeah. You're, oh, you're yeah. And I think people people appreciate, I think it's the same way when you go to a different country and you can speak a few words and this is a whole other tangent. For exactly, like exactly. They're excited that you took the time to like give a shit about what they celebrate every day. So with music, it's great because they go, oh, you know something. That's cool. Like, you know, it's, they would be, because that's literally a part of their sure. language. It's like, yeah, knowing their favorite, uh, you know, soccer team. It's like, wow, you know yeah. my... Yeah. Like, that's a cool thing. I, I try and educate myself about that stuff. Fred, we, we've taken up an awful lot of your time, man. I know, Fred, we, we've we taken really up so much of your time. For a long time. I mean, you took but... up a lot of my time. You're taking up a lot of time. <laughs> it's now gone. Uh, we now we it's had gone. it, it's, it's left. You'll never get that back. My never vote is, that if you guys do end up doing a drum uh, a drum battle, I would uh, I would hope that it maybe perhaps leans on the side of uh, Brazilian uh, contributions to to music oh we can Ooh. we can you know sure. we 100 can you know i'll sit in the back i'll sit in the audience with my cuica yeah yeah you you get the cuica i can get the fundus and the some and the um the gym bow the big one that i love playing was the gym bow because i could play with my hands but i like playing fundu too and i i liked kaisha too but kaisha is really hard i'm not i was never really good at the snare to begin with. I know you're legit because you're saying it with the proper accent. It's like motherfuckers that play the ukulele. <laughs> yeah, or to bring it up, those instruments up at all. It's like just by saying that, I know you're going to tear it up. Like I'll say ukulele or uke and then, you know, kind of right. do basic shit. But when some guy comes in being like, oh, yes, I've been playing the ukulele. The I'm ukulele. Like, oh, fuck, this, guy's, this guy's real. <laughs> well, Fred, thank you for, for sharing us or indulging us. I said this to you when I, I met you. I was just so excited to meet you. So thank you for letting me bend your ear and to kind of pick your brain. There's so much more we could talk about. Um, but, I know. You know all the, the three of us, uh, we could do 10 of these. I mean, I could tell. I can tell them, like, there's plenty more. Oh, yeah. I know, I know that we're supposed to keep it loose, Fred, and we're like not supposed to make plans because that's the nature of our friendship. However, yeah. you can't. I hope you guys never actually intentionally run into each other. Even this, I kind of architected this, Esty. So, so that still falls in line with your guys' yes. like sort of like through line. I'm glad that I contributed yeah. to, to the, the narrative that way. But don't be surprised if I text you and I'm like, hey, I really, I'm, I'm going to go to this um, gal. What's her name? Gal? Gal Costa, yeah. I'm going to go to this Gal Costa show. You want to come? The answer is yes. We've got a whole other discussion because I didn't realize how into prog rock I think you are. Oh, I'm so into prog rock. But, but this is another discussion. We'll be here all day. Okay. But I'm, I'm a little, well, but offline. I didn't, I didn't know We may that. have to have you back oh, for yeah. another time. Yeah. We can part two this or we can offline. But you've or we'll, honestly, we'll see Fred, you at the Largo, thank you man. so much. And we'll see you at Largo. Yeah. I'm going to come. If you, if you ever do a bass one. I will. Okay. Ooh, you know oh. we're talking. I will 100. I can I can consult. We can do a consult, but I will definitely okay. be there as well. It's a deal. Thanks so much, Fred. We'll catch you around campus. Bye, dude. you guys. Bye, Fred. That thing I do is a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. If you like the show, which I know you do, please be sure to like us, follow us, and leave a glowing review. Thank you for listening to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.